Welcome to the Point Church Teaching Podcast. I'm Corey Ickes, one of the pastors here at Point Church in Fort Liberty. We seek to exalt Jesus and equip the saints through expositional preaching and teaching. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted from this week's teaching. Good morning. Hey, if you would, turn in Romans chapter 12. Where we'll be, I want to... I just want to praise the Lord for, for what He's doing in our, in our worship team. So many of you know we commissioned our, our, our worship leader, Luke, back to college. And so Luke worked really hard in this spring and this summer to, to kind of lay a, a process and a system down so that uh, Chris and Janiah and Betty and Noah and uh, Barry and others, Kirsten, can take that process and, and begin to build it and make it their own. And so I'm just grateful for our worship team. I'm excited to see what the Lord uh, is already doing, but what He's going to do. And just love to see people ministering in their gifts. Amen? Amen. So uh, this, this past week, Pastor Barry spoke from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 on uh, on the mercies of God, and that because the, the way that the mercy of God that we've received in Jesus compels us, demands us that we be living sacrifices, that we think about the visual there of a sacrifice, that we are putting ourselves on the altar as our spiritual worship unto God. Right, And so all of that hinged, the beauty of that text is that it all hinges on the mercy that we have received. And this week, we, we get to walk even into the more, uh, into even a more area, a pragmatic area that still is very much rooted and motivated by the gospel of grace that we have received in Jesus. So last week, it was this call that we lay ourselves down, that, that there is this beauty of surrender onto the altar. And then this week, we're, we're looking in light of that, how we then proceed, particularly as God's people. So, so what we're, where, we're, where we're heading today is we're looking at God's church and our service, okay? And I'm so excited. This is a, this is a critical text of Scripture to begin to actually rightly form our understanding of who the church is and, and how it functions. Otherwise, we may be operating off of just kind of culturally what we understand church to be and maybe wrongly assuming or assessing whether we are actually needed or not needed, if I'm gifted or not gifted. But by God's grace, He takes and He gives us His Word that then clarifies His truth so that we don't have to guess, we don't have to wonder, we don't have to assume. We can actually just entrust ourselves to the authority of God's Word and then respond in obedience. Amen? So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump in to Romans 12. Lord, we praise You for Your Word. God, it's so good for reproof and, and, and exhortation and, and teaching and so many valuable things. And I pray as a church that corporately and individually, God, that we would treasure Your Word. That, that it would be sweeter than honey to us. 
that it would be finer and richer than, than gold or silver, God, but that we would delight in it. And that we would run ourselves across this perfect law of liberty, as James calls it. Lord, that we would be transformed. That we would be changed. For your glory and for our greatest joy. So I pray now, Lord, that you would preach this sermon. God, that you'd move me aside. And that you would give, uh, that you would speak to your people in this room today in accordance from Romans 12. And we pray it in the name of Jesus and by the power of His Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we are working into the pragmatics. Romans, we, we, we swam through the, the depths of Romans. Praise God for them. And, and formed and helped us understand the gospel of grace to the Jew and the Gentile. And now, out of, out of the overflow of what we received in Jesus... Let's consider what it is to serve in the church. Now, there may be somebody, maybe just one or two of you, that are thinking, all right, this is Corey's opportunity to really guilt us into serving, right? The people that laughed may have been the ones thinking it. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. But, all right, Corey, he's got us over a barrel. Here comes the guilt. Here comes the shame. And, and this is just what I want to say. There is zero guilt and there is zero shame. But there is a burden that as we work through the book of Romans, and any book of the Bible for that matter, that the people of God respond to it in obedience. And so when we come across really very bold statements like, the Lord has gifted you, like, serve the church. The goal is not guilt. The goal is not shame. But the burden is obedience. Amen? So just hear me from the top. The burden, the goal, is for the people of God to respond from obedience. So rather than, oh, I gotta, like, oh, I gotta, because Jesus is that good. Amen. You see the, see the very nuanced difference? But it's one that the gospel can bring about. And so that's where we're, where we're going. So listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul, he is, uh, this is something that he speaks to in almost um, all of his letters to one degree or the other. But in Ephesians 4, he says this, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is, it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, what Paul's not giving us is an anatomy lesson. But he is using and leveraging one of his favorite illustrations in Ephesians and then what we're going to see in Romans. He uses body language, anatomy language, to convey a truth about the church being the people of God. All right? So, what I want us to take away from Ephesians 4.16 is that that description of the church, that the whole body is being built up and is, is all the joints and all the sinew and everything is, is, is together and is equipped when each part is working properly. When it's working properly, it makes the body grow 
so that it builds itself up in love. So, I want to address quickly, this won't be the, the thrust of the sermon, but I want us to address a couple of different views of the church and the way that the church functions. One would be kind of a consumer kind of a consumer driven view of the church where like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, this this store at the mall versus the next store at the mall, right? They sell the same stuff. Their their vision and their values are probably uh, close, but the the function, the way that those stores may operate, maybe their prices, maybe their bells and whistles are different, right? And so as a consumer, I go to one store and I say, ah, this isn't really for me. So then I go to the next store. But that, that mentality has really slipped, especially in the West here, into our mentality around church. That it's just kind of a place of service and goods. And that there's quite a few around, so therefore, hey, if this one's not, you know, vibing, or hey, I, I don't really like that, then, then we just kind of move on down the road. So in that lens, we may look and, and beginning to think about, hey, I'm a consumer, what am I getting, what am I um, what am I receiving? What's my experience? Versus what I would say Paul puts forth in Ephesians 4 as a biblical view of the church. So uh, in a consumer view, you may look at the church as a building. Whereas Paul says specifically in Ephesians that it's a body, that it's a people. See the difference? Building versus People. I'll just be honest, the Point Church is being graded on the consumer view. Hey, we're in a YMCA. Praise God, we got walls and a ceiling and air condition. In a consumer mentality, many may view paid ministers as the primary ministers. Whereas Paul says in Ephesians 4 that, that it's the, the whole body, every joint, every bit being held together when equipped, when each part is, is working fully, that's where building and growth happens. See, it's very different than just kind of a, a select or elite few who are kind of tasked with doing the whole show. Paul is, is, is put, putting forth this biblical view of church in which every member, every body, every part of the church is a minister to one degree or another. First Peter, Peter he, he brings that out in 1 Peter quite well. Another notion from the consumer view is many might view church growth or, or, um, or success in more numeric terms, right? So it's essentially uh, you've got attendance, I won't, <laughs> attendance, buildings, and budgets. Versus what Paul describes as growth, the way that he describes it is that the body grows so that it builds itself up in love. And so what you see between those two paradigms is that uh, you could potentially hit success in a consumer view and miss the biblical precedent. And on the flip, you could actually find success in the biblical view, something just happened with my mic, okay, just so somebody knows. Success in a biblical view that may actually look unsuccessful in the consumer view. You tracking? 
So if Ephesians 4, 6 begins to paint this picture of what healthy biblical church looks and functions like, the question that, that all of us, myself included, has to respond and go, like, where are we in this understanding? And what do we do? And, and I'll be honest, there's probably a lot that go, wow, like, I don't know that I've got it. I don't know that I've got the time. I don't know that I'm especially gifted in anything. And there's a lot of reeling going like this may not be the place for me. And I just want to know, I need you to hear that in Romans 12, God inspired, he breathed a scripture to encourage you and address that very issue. Okay? And it's not for just a select few, but it's for all of us who have received Christ who are obeying last week to lay our lives down on the altar as living sacrifices, it's for all of us that are doing that to respond to Romans 3, and let's just read it and we'll respond accordingly. Romans 12, verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So, again, building off of Barry's sermon from last week, which was building off the sermon and text of Romans from the week prior, grace, grace, grace. Getting what we did not receive in Christ. Paul leads out discussing the grace that he received, but I need you to hear and understand today that it is the grace of God by His lavish grace that we've been given spiritual gifts that we must steward and use for the equipping and the building up of the church. Okay, so it's grace. This whole deal is, is by we first responded to the gospel, we receive His lavish grace, and because of that, we are freed up to understand that He's actually designed in His incredible sovereignty to gift every believer in this room specifically with unique gifts for the service and equipping and building up of this church for while you're here. And then when you get PCS and you go to the next spot and you find another local church, you make use of those gifts in that place. Amen? So from the top, Paul, he, he comes out strong He's trying to help us understand, number one, that because of our grace, that we are humble stewards of this measure of faith. That's what he says in verse 3, that, that there's this, this notion that by my grace, by the grace I've received, Paul says. Now, he normally and often will come at his kind of apostolic authority, right? Because he is an apostle, and so in the church there is high regard for the apostles' writings and teachings, but he does not appeal in that authority, but he appeals in the common grace that he has received with all other believers in the church. He says, by that grace, I appeal to you, I encourage you to not think of himself or herself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Corey, why? why I, mean, I thought we were talking about gifting. Why are we talking about thinking rightly and soberly about ourselves. Well, he tells us, he goes on and he says that, that we, we must think with sober judgment, there the, at the end of verse 3, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So this whole thing is this measure of faith that we've 
been assigned. And quite honestly, that measure of faith term is, is a little bit contested on its interpretation. Some would say that that measure of faith is, is unique. It's, it's the gifts that, that God gives. That's where I lean. But, I mean, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 7, it says, By grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. But others hold that it's actually just like a standard unit. Our salvation is that measure of grace, this measure of faith. Quite honestly, they're both, I think, quite true. We absolutely, every one of us as believers, have been given a measure of faith in Christ, our salvation. And we need to understand that that is the common ground in which all of us stand. So what that, what that tells us is that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. That there's nobody that like, well, I mean, his measure, look at him. He's, he's way up here or her. She's, she's way over there and I'm way down here. No, because when, when we receive the gospel, it puts us on common ground. Because it's grace and nothing but grace. But we do see throughout the scriptures that there is, there is a thing where God gives gifts that are different and unique. And so to that end, we want to consider and be sure that we are stewarding the measure of faith that we've been given, okay? What does it mean to steward? Well, as one, as a very, very rookie gardener, like five pots worth, uh, my tomato died immediately, so I didn't do a very good job of nurturing it. I didn't do a very good job of storting it, although I think it did get a disease. But when I was, when I, I, I had to store those plants all summer long. And if I was gone, I had to coordinate with my neighbor who generously agreed to store my plants while I was away. But there's a nurturing there. There's like an identification first, right? Then there's a actual like, hey, I need, to, I need to facilitate this growth. I need to, if this is a muscle, right, I need to be pumping some iron. I need to be working it out, strengthening it, honing it. If the Lord has gifted you with hospitality, then there is a, there is a stewardship component that we are working that out. That we're nurturing it. That we're ensuring that we're working it. Why? Because... Because of the grace that we have received in Christ. Not begrudgingly, because uh, I got pinned as a hospitable person. But wow, the hospitality that I have received in Christ, let me just attempt to be hospitable towards my neighbors. Right? So, Corey, why does he tell us that we need to think soberly? Because. I don't know about you, it resonates and tracks with me that my flesh, when I feel like I've got something, next thing you know, you can't touch me. I'm the most hospitable person that you have ever met. I mean, like I do hospitality unlike anybody else does hospitality. And all of a sudden, I begin to pat myself on the back and kind of credit some righteousness because of my works and my gifting. You see that? Anybody else? Does that resonate with anybody? Just, yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, right, that's a propensity of many. 
to think too highly of yourself is what he says. That Corey actually, as my wife would say, he needs to come down a buttonhole or two because he's a little haughty, right, about his hospitality. Pride, when pride creeps in, when we misjudge ourselves, man, the the Proverbs tell us that pride comes before the fall. It is not the place that we need to live. In it, it, is the, it, is, it does not facilitate unity within the body, but division. You can't touch me. <laughs> you can try to keep up if you want, but you ain't got it. Versus thinking soberly, seeing myself in light of the poor blind beggar that I was when I encountered Christ and received all the riches of Jesus so that when I'm, when I'm able to, even with a little, be hospitable, I want to do it to the glory of Jesus. See the robust difference. We need to, we need to judge ourselves soberly. But I want to I no, note something, okay? So if I'm prone to the, the kind of boastful pride and arrogance, I just want to note that there may be some in the room who prides themselves through belittling. So if I operate as boastful, there is a kind of insidious type of pride in which you belittle yourself. Well, I don't. What well, was me? I don't really have any. I, I'm not really good at anything. I mean, it, it comes off humble. However, and, and this is between you and the Lord. However, there is a threat to think of yourself too lowly, to miscalculate, misjudge yourself in a way that you actually just bow out of any opportunity to exercise a gift because, you know, you're just, I'm just, I can't do that. I, that that's not really my, my thing. So you see, there's the error of boasting and there's the error of belittling. And we want to hit it in the middle in light of the gospel of grace and be sober in our judgment and assessment of ourselves. And I'll just be, I'll encourage you, the, a lot of that assessment also happens among this body. So that, so that while I, I'm on my high horse with hospitality, and Darius kind of takes me to the side, he's like, hey, bro, listen, I know it, you're good at it, but you're also prideful, right? And all of a sudden, that kind of checks me in a loving way, and I can kind of come down a buttonhole or two, right? Or, or if you're in that belittling spot and, and, a, and a sweet brother or sister can come to you and say, hey, listen, I see something in you. I see you're a teacher. I see and I, I've heard your prayers that you're whispering in the corner that you thought nobody was saying, hearing. I see it in you. Fan the flame. Press in, not in your own confidence, but in the grace that you have received. Amen? So, sober judgment Storting the measure of faith. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. As in, like, hey, run the course that he's given you. There are some in which he is given what might appear to be a greater or higher degree of gifting. And that wasn't you. Run your course. Uh, as maybe the kids might say, stay in your lane. Are they saying that, or am I still just way off? 
Ah, praise the Lord. All right, somebody, stay in your lane, right? Because remember, all of this, this whole thing, like Paul says, I appeal by my grace that I've received. We, we appeal on the basis of the grace that we've received. So I can walk in my, my little lane, and I can, I can dig my heels in and be faithful and, and humble and proud to serve the Lord right alongside of somebody that might be in a spotlight, have a pulpit, have a podium, have a blog or a podcast or make reels, and I can go praise the Lord, right? Because of the grace that we've received. So humble stewardship of the measure of faith. All right, let's go to verses 4 and 5 of Romans chapter 12. For as in one body we have many members, and in one body, excuse me, I'm going to start all over because I lost my spot. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. The second thing I want us to see as we consider the, the grace that we've received, the gifts that God has given His people for the service of His church, for the building up, the common good of His church, is that by His grace, we are a corporate body of diversely gifted believers. Alright? Corporate body. He says that we are many, but how many bodies, church? This is open air response. How many bodies? One. That's right, one. Now again, if the church is a building, this text becomes very confusing. But when we rightly understand that the church as the people of God, that there is one body, Paul says in Ephesians that Christ is the head, right? He's, he's in charge. He's the one that's calling the shots. He's Lord. He's King. But we are the body. We being the individual people in this room, we represent corporately, right? This notion that we're not on an island by ourselves. We're not Lone Ranger status. But corporately, we, many people, are one body, and, and, and here's how that works, okay? So we are the body of Christ. Christ's church is a capital C. That means his church here, his church in Fayetteville, his church in Af- Africa or Afghanistan or anywhere else. That is the God's capital C church. We here at Point Church on this YMCA property, we are Little C Point Church. This is a local expression of Christ's universal church. And the point that Paul's making is that we, as the people with butts in these seats, make up the body of Christ at Point Church. So, that pushes against that consumerism of like, hey, I'm just going to kind of come and see and be, take what I can, and if at some point it's not working, then we'll just kind of go on down the road. And, and what I, I say that, I, I do want to, clarify the lord may lead you to another church and praise god praise the lord when we meet visitors we encourage them prayerfully consider drew back there in the back i was like hey bro pray like like give it to the lord and ask go see some other churches i can give you recommendations but go pray we're not here trying to build some point kingdom but when you're here i need you to understand that when you fill this place and when you call point church home it's kind of like your mama's house, all right? 
after you, you've been, you know, you knock on the door politely and are let in, right? After that, I don't know about my, my mom, it was like, uh, stop knocking, just come in the house and I showed you where the cups were last time, you get your own, right? Not, not as rude, but as family. And when you call Point Church home, like, hey, once it's kind of been settled that you're not looking anymore and that you've are kind of, that's settled in your heart, then hey, come get a cup and let's get to work, amen? Why? Because in God's sovereignty, in his design, he saw fit to make his church function on the interdependence of you and I together. How incredible is that? But it's all by the grace of God. Without, without the gospel breaking into our hearts, this thing doesn't work. Without us continually being refreshed in the gospel and being reminded of the gospel, this thing doesn't work. All of a sudden, I'm kind of like building my own thing or the moment that one of the pastors seems to like maybe doing his own thing, then maybe I just need to take... Maybe I'll take a find a group that, dis, that agrees with me. Maybe we'll march down the street and go build something else, right? But by the gospel of grace, we can submit to one another. He, I love how he describes that we're members one of another. Oh, guys, listen. Hey, family, blood, all that's important. But I need you to know something, especially, especially when you're far away. In Christ. You have a family right here inside of these walls. And it's a family that wants to love, wants to be authentic, and we want to see people move from where they are in Christ today to further into Christ tomorrow. Amen? So, so when we say that we're members, it is not a club. It's not an event to spectate. It is a family to lock arms with and let's get to work. Right? Let's get to work in pursuing Christ. In that Ephesians 4 passage that I started the, the, the intro off with was this picture that the different parts who have been tied together by Christ, as they are healthy, they begin to clearly demonstrate and the body begins to build up. So here's the picture. Imagine a 500-piece puzzle. Okay, And we just take that 500-piece puzzle and go cast it in the parking lot. Do those each 500 pieces exist? Yes, we acknowledge their existence. Do we understand that each piece of that puzzle represents a small picture of the, a small piece of the picture? Yeah, we recognize that. But what paints a better picture? 500 pieces scattered or 500 pieces functioning together? And as you get that top left corner together, you're like, oh, okay, I'm now, I'm seeing the picture, right? And as we slowly build and as we slowly unite, but when we got puzzle pieces that are off in the corner of the parking lot going like, hey, I'm not sure if I'm ready to participate, all of a sudden, we're not clearly demonstrating like we could and like we were meant to. By the grace of God, he has called us together. Listen, listen to this incredible little quote from um, Tim Keller. He says that we have each been given distinct personalities, temperaments, histories, abilities that equip us for a particular set of good works that God has created us to do. God has deliberately ordered his church as he has ordered the human body 
to be interdependent so that we belong to each other. So that we belong to each other. Man, there's no room, family, and this goes for point or anywhere else that stands on the Bible. There is no room in God's kingdom for the Lone Ranger mentality or the spectator mentality, but a unified family with distinct and diverse giftings. I love to put it this way. You need the church. You need us. And we need you. You know, I, I struggle as, as one of the pastors leading Point Church. There's a, there's a need. Sunday isn't everything for us, but Sunday is a part of who we are. It's a part of, of God's command to not neglect the gathering. There is a thing about us being together on Sunday, and God has grown us to a point that we don't fit in the living room anymore. That's where we started, but that's not where we fit anymore. And as we grow, we are having to grow into not being a church that operates like we're 30 people, but operating like a church of like nearing 130 people. And I struggle because there's this need to call people and move people into, uh, into movement and, and taking on volunteering opportunities and service opportunities. And there, there's a part of me, it's always like, man, I never want it to get whittled down to, hey, Point Church just needs you. Right? Like, like you're just kind of exist so that we can exist. But as I was studying this text, it was just this robust reminder that Point Church does need you. And you need the Point Church, like those that make up Point Church. Right? So this isn't, we're not creating volunteer opportunities just so that you can check volunteering off your schedule. Like, we're, we're, we have volunteer positions and service and teams because it's the ministry that God has given us here, right? It's not just something so that you can be like, oh, yeah, I surf once a month. Look at me, Lord. No, it's like, hey, we are a family, and it's all hands on deck, right? Amen? Because we belong together in Christ. So there's a statistic. I think it's... Essentially, it goes something like 20% of the church does 80% of the work. You might have heard that in other organizations. I think it's just a general uh, statistic for a large organization. So the question is, where are you in the percentage? Based on what we've seen thus far, we see that by the grace of God, we have been given a measure of faith. And that God's function for that grace to be worked out is by stitching us together as a body. Many members, hands, feet, noses, supporting the work and the mission of the body. But if, if a kneecap and some hands are the only ones that are pulling the weight of the body, then what's our calf doing? What's our elbows doing? Right? And again, this is not a guilt-shame thing. This is, a, this is like a family meeting. It's like, hey, do you know you've been gifted? Well, you didn't? Well, now you do. Are you, are, do you know what your gifts are? No, not yet? Hey, I'd love to encourage you in the Scriptures and point you to lists of gifts that Paul runs through. There's even really helpful like little assessments that 
aren't God's word. They're not sovereign. They're not God, but they can be helpful. As a matter of fact, when you go through our membership class, that's something that, that you do as a part of just helping explore who you are in Christ. But there are tools to help. So if, if this whole thing is like, man, I'm just not sure where I'm at, that's an okay place to be. But let's, let's take some steps moving forward to find out together. Amen? The last thing that I want us to see in this text is that by the grace that we've received, we must utilize our gifts for the good of the church. Verse 6 through 8. Paul says, having gifts that differ according to your works. Nope. According to the grace given to us. I love his plain language. Let us use them. Walk off. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. He runs through about seven of these gifts, and what he's doing is saying, like, hey, if you've been called, if one of your gifts is, is generosity and giving, then do it with cheer and joy. Like, like do it as a cheerful giver. Right? If you're a leader of anything, like a leader of two in a, in a DNA group, or you're a leader of a whole tech team, or you're the leader of this church, or one of the leaders of this church, do it with zeal, as in don't be lazy. The grace of God compels us to do this in a way that honors Him, right? Do it going back to verse 3 in accordance or in keeping with the measure of faith that we've been given. I don't want to miss that we have these gifts by grace. Okay, a lot of times we kind of whittle grace down to just the righteousness that Jesus gave us. But I want you to see that Paul's building out that grace is, we actually have grace in gifts being given to us. It's a grace. I also just want to note and clarify that God may very well gift you in complete and total opposite of how you think you're wired personality-wise, or if you've got a particular skill set like Liam Neeson, like, his gifting may be very different than what you might feel personally equipped in. Think of Moses. Dude, was like, Lord's like, hey, I need you to lead my people. And he's like, oh, not me, Lord. Like, I, I don't know. Like, how about somebody else? Why? Because he assessed himself in accordance to his skills, in accordance to his comfort. And the Lord God in his sovereignty, through his grace, assigned him a task and with it gave him gifts to accomplish. You don't know what your gifts are right now, that's okay. One of my greatest encouragements to you is not to make this a theological study that you go and figure out what all these service opportunities mean in Greek or to go do a 35-week study on it. Or, you know, to go to seminary so you can really understand the fullness and robustness of what this is. My encouragement is, hey, let's, let's mount up and do something for the glory of God in his local church. And then allow him and, and like, trust the Lord that he will make it clear and evident. Hey, maybe kids, McCory, maybe kids isn't for you. In his kindness, while revealing 
and affirming his gifting in another area. The, the point is, the short is, don't wait till you've got it all figured out. Nothing in the Christian life. We don't do that in anywhere else in the Christian life. Where it's like, hey, you've got to have this figured out before you can actually go obey the commands of Christ. Right? No. You have to know everything about Jesus before you can be baptized. No. It's like you repent and believe, great, let's be baptized. Amen? We don't have to go figure out all the nuances of our gifting before we begin to serve. Okay? 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So when I see a room like this with, I don't know, 70, 80 people, that is 70 and 80 varied gifts of grace. That is 70 or 80 noses and ears and foreheads and necks, ankle bones, all serving the purpose of the body of Christ, specifically and in the flesh, Point Church, while we got you, right? Knowing that this turn, that next year, this time, most of you may not be here. And that's praise the Lord. That's okay. We trust Him. But while you're here, let's get to work. Amen? So, a couple of application things. Do you know what your gifts are? If you don't, man, there are passages of Scripture throughout Paul's letters that that list out gifts, hospitality, speaking in tongues, prophecy, lots of different gifts, lots of debating, but I would encourage you to read them. Go read them. If you'd like to, uh, uh, to take a little assessment, we can send that out. We can get it to you. I'd love to talk to you about it, what it says. I'll, I'll tell you this week, uh, my wife Ashley took one, and a couple of things that popped for her that I was kind of able to affirm as her husband, who's known her for quite a while, worked with her arm in arm, is, is mercy. One of her things is mercy. One of her things is hospitality. And man, I look at that and go, praise the Lord. Thank God for Ashley, my wife. Because of the, the because guess what Corey didn't pop as? Mercy. Okay? Praise the Lord for Ashley in my family, but also in our larger family. And I'm saying praise the Lord for you if you're in Christ, for filling the blank gift that God's given you to serve the common good of us. Amen? So, uh, as we close, a couple of things. We need to reject the consumer mentality. Just wholesale, lock, stock, and barrel, the whole deal. It is, it is, it is sucking the church dry. And I'm not saying anybody comes in purposefully wanting to think that way or view things that way. But also, a lot of churches have kind of created models to kind of reinforce it, to be real honest with you. And just for clarity, Point Church is not that. We, the, the, you should see our staff meeting. It's the saddest, most, I mean, it's a lot of fun if Jenny and Josh are here, but it's like three of us, okay? The staff of Point Church is not carrying the ministry of Point Church. We couldn't do it if we wanted to or if we tried. We keep, we've organized our church in a very simple way because we experience turnover. 
And because we know that many of you are deployed for all manner of time. And so we've got, we've got families that are split up. We've got mamas wrangling kids while daddies are gone or vice versa. The reality is we understand our context or are seeking to be faithful to understand our context. So there are things that we don't do that you've probably had done at other churches. But hey, we just are kind of planting our flag going like we are kind of who we are. At least in this season of life. And if the Lord leads us to do something different, then let him lead. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. This, it was actually this past week. I had an idea. It was in the heart of equipping and discipling. And it was, I mean, I, felt, I thought it was like bulletproof. And then I just casually mentioned it to a few folks, a couple of elders and some other people, not in formal leadership. And all of a sudden, it became very clear you know, Corey, yeah, it's a great idea, but like, I don't know that it's really who we are as a church. Like, I think we might try to kill ourselves if we actually executed that. And it hit me in that moment. Man, we are a church. We are who we are. We are a military church. We are a transient church by God's grace, right? We, we seek to keep things as simple as possible as reproducible and scalable as possible to uphold the growth of Point Church while simultaneously not trying to do too much like maybe a more existing church that has less turnover and potentially kill half our church off, okay? And so, I'm just here to tell you as one of your pastors that, man, we, we love being here and we love the people that God has given us. And we're praying for more. Again, not for Point Church, but just for God's kingdom. But man, like I said, if you call Point Church home, then come on in, get a glass, and let's go, right? Let's get to work, all right? And, and why? Because of the grace that we have received in Christ. Why? He it can enable us to be sober about who we are. Why? Because He has stitched us together as one beautiful family on a mission. Why? Because He has given us gifts by His grace to exercise for the building up of this body. Again, not for our glory, not for our namesake, but for His. So I'm going to pray. So if you want to bow your heads, I'll just encourage you to be really honest with you, family. If I had to make... One, one plug. I'm gonna, so there's a text message that's going to come out later uh, that has a volunteer form, and, and it's, kind of a, it's a new thing that is kind of in beta mode development, but it's got more volunteer position, like volunteer opportunities than we probably have people for, and that's okay. But the point is, it is a framework that we're developing to help build out so people can connect and be the members that God's called you to be of the body and serve. Okay, so that's going to come out later. I'd encourage you to take a look at it. Uh, if you have questions, holler at me. Uh, you can call me or I, grab me after service. Uh, but one area in particular, so at, because we're a church that runs pretty simple, our kids, ministry, our youth, they're, they're, this is my approach. We want to do things that 
serve them in a targeted way. Like targeted discipleship and equipping for our children and our youth. Uh, but we also want to do things, include them in an integrated way, like in our missional communities and, 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 and larger service opportunities where like, hey, you know, my kid is serving next to people at my MC as they're sharing the gospel or that type of thing. So think, keep this in mind, targeted and integrated, targeted and integrated. And right now, we're in a spot where we long to provide more targeted opportunities for our first to fifth graders, Right? So some of those kids are in here, you guys. I'm glad you're here. But right now, we just we, we don't necessarily have the people. Like we don't have the volunteer power. We've got some some tentative uh, options on how to serve that population, that that segment of our children, but we just we need man we need we need man and women power. We need human power. And so that is listed on that volunteer form. Uh, the kids team met last week, and man, we, we long to see, to serve our first graders through our fifth graders in a more targeted way, uh, but it's going to require some help, okay? And so let me, uh, let me pray for us, and, and y'all prayerfully consider where you're at. Are you in the 20 carrying the 80? We thank you, we love you, but man, we're trying to add to you, Right? If you're in the 80%, like we're, we, we need you to, to hop on over and come grab, a, grab an oar. Let's start rowing together for the glory of God. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that this text was in Romans chapter 12. I believe firmly that it was a scripture that the body of Christ needs to hear today. And I'm just so grateful that you orchestrated the way that you orchestrated for Paul to write Romans and to write specifically about this, uh, this important part of who we are. So Lord, would you please move in and amongst our body? I thank you for everybody that calls Point Home. And I pray if there's people that are visiting that are unsure, Lord, would you please make it clear if we are the church for them or if we're not. Show them and lead them and guide them. But Lord, would you take us? And Lord, would you just help every one of us to move barriers out of our way? Schedules, busyness, overcommitment, or lack of commitment, whatever it is, would you move it out of the way? And God, I'm just praying, I just so look forward to like this being just a big family reunion where everybody's got a part in the process. Lord, would you mobilize us for your glory? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Point, connect with us at www.pointchurch.live. Thank you.